it sounds like a big key in in terms of working through shame where there lies a lot of pain and suffering that we've had to endure and in some cases we've chosen to endure the suffering as they say pain is inevitable suffering is optional a big key for me working through that when I went through treatment the last time as I've said before I've been through it multiple times was to get really honest in support group meetings they say rigorous honesty I've never had a lot of people call me a dishonest person or really get into my integrity but then again they only knew what they knew and what I told them and I'm not implying that I was a you know like this liar and dishonest person I think a lot of it was hiding things to cope to survive that's the way I got by I didn't want people to get to know me because I thought if they did they would view me as a weak person in other words I thought vulnerability was was weakness and so I would um, selectively disclose what I felt would uh, suffice and allow people in to a certain point and then if it got uncomfortable for me I would push them away simply by avoiding situations interactions what I perceive was going to be conflict and that served me pretty well you know when you're around people that um, profess to be you know proponents of tough love and conditional love and, and um, you know pursuing their own agenda at the same time um, it served me pretty well and so we talk about rigorous honesty you know there's a story which can be honest and I've told a lot of stories and there's a lot of honesty there and then there's a story behind the story and it gets more honest and then there's the stuff that people don't like to talk about the story behind the story behind the story and for me that truth that honesty was talking about my shame you've heard the saying the truth will set you free that's what really started to, to set me free on so many different levels from being able to start not taking things personally realizing that people weren't doing it to me they were just doing it and that's where they were at at that particular time and place um, not an easy one it's always easy to give that advice out don't take it personally until it happens to us of course so I have to work through that in my mind with a lot of talking to others and 
prayer and meditation and getting support from, from around people that really care about me and won't judge me. But to attract those type of people, I had to get what it felt like was so raw. You know, talking about, you know, things from, hey, Steve, what's going on with you? Well, to be honest with you, I really don't feel like being here right now. And that's why I was late. And I've got a lot on my mind and working on the shame stuff is, is wearing me down. And, um, but I'm here and I'm showing up and I'm going to do my best to keep an open mind. You know, that, it's not too harsh. That's just being honest. It's not attacking. It's not judging or criticizing. It's just saying, here's where I'm at. And you've heard me talk about my shame on a number of different fronts and how it led, contributed greatly to, you know, me falling prey to the disease of alcoholism. But I see so many people that I met in treatment and support groups and in life that just don't want to let go of that suffering. For some reason, it, 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 that's what they know. That's what is familiar to them. That's a part of their comfort zone, and, and somehow, some way, it served them well. And it probably did for me. I'll have to think about that some more until it stopped serving me well, and there was nothing left to serve except serve me another drink. To put it bluntly. But I see people, and you may be able to relate to this, that go through this for most of their lives. And they just won't take the, give themselves the opportunity to choose a different experience. The anxiety, the memories of, of being anxious and feeling fear and feeling traumatized are not going to go away. The brain, part of the brain actually stores that to protect us, to warn us to, to avoid it, to avoid these things. So it's there, it's not going anywhere, but we can choose to experience it differently. For me, it's doing what I'm doing right now with you and sharing that and helping others. Being of service, um, day in and day out having an opportunity and praying for the courage to be of service, to strengthen courage to be of service because there's plenty of times I want to chicken out and think it's not important to not say hello, to smile to, to somebody, smile at somebody, to hold the door for somebody, to let somebody go in front of me in line that has two items at the grocery and I've got, you know, 25. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you about an experience I had. I was driving over, I'm going back to school pursuing the substance abuse counselor certification. So I'm heading over to part of UCLA's campus, their extension campus. And so I see a homeless person standing there right where the stoplight is. And this happened really fast, quicker than I can tell the story and you know I worked with the homeless volunteered for for about three years you know almost every week sometimes multiple times a week you know putting in 
you know, a good um, 10 to 14 hours in a week. So you'd think it would be easy for me to slow down and give the person, you know, a few bucks. And what was going through my mind was, as the light I could tell was going to change colors from to yellow and eventually to red, was do I really have to s- slow down and, and stop at the light and give this person money and, and talk to them? I actually contemplated, could I run through the light, break the law, which I've done before. I've run a stoplight. I've broken the speed limit. And uh, and just give them the money as I'm just coasting on through. And it's 6 o'clock in the evening when there's all this traffic in, in L.A., you know. And I decided to, to stop and I gave them a, you know, a few bucks. And um, the person saw a sweatshirt I had on and we started talking football. And I'll tell you what, that person seemed very... Uh, intelligent and competent and they were just trying to get some money to, to go back home to visit their family and I can tell you all kinds of stories of people I worked with volunteering with. everything from the real hard luck stories and the abuse, physical, emotional sexual the drugs at a young age to, to cope, to numb that pain and being homeless since they were you know uh, a teenager, a young teenager, to people that fell in hard times that were lawyers in uh, Beverly Hills that fell prey to substance abuse and and um, just weren't running their business right and got into some other trouble. What's the difference between the two, in my opinion? Absolutely nothing, because the disease does not discriminate. And I can tell you this, this, that person made my day. I got more than I ever could have bargained for. And I just gave him a few bucks. But that took courage for me. Some people will do it and it's no big deal. And for me, I had to have some courage and the strength to stop and to roll down the window. And he wanted to make a conversation. Some of them don't when I roll down the window. They just say thank you and God bless. And I, I say God bless you. And, you know, but um, I gave myself that opportunity. And uh, hopefully it helped them in some way, shape, or form. So, but back to the honesty piece. I think a lot of it is, you know, as I say, comes from fear. You know, we're afraid to tell people how we feel, how much we're hurting and we're suffering because we're afraid of being judged. That's That was my fear. I went to multiple treatments and had been in and out fighting this thing for a good decade. And I was afraid that people would say, oh my gosh, look at this guy. He ran a company, he had this meteoric rise at a young age, he's making money, he's doing this, he lives where he wants to go, he goes where he wants to go, and this guy's in here talking about his pain and suffering. That's what I thought they they were going to say to me, that's what I thought, that's what I believed. How could this guy become an alcoholic? How could this guy have pain 
and suffering. They don't know my pain and suffering. You know what? A lot of times I don't, but I have empathy. How do I have empathy? Because I can share my pain and suffering. It gives me an opportunity to open up and have access to it, to really have empathy, to show people compassion by showing them, demonstrating that I'm, I'm concerned about them and their well-being, and I want to help in some way, shape, or form to have access to that. I didn't have access to that for about 10 years because of shame and, of course, assisted by alcohol, which turned into alcoholism. I had it before that, and now I have it again. But that access to these things was blocked, and I have access to it by being gentle with myself, having compassion, which is key to self-care, in addition to meditation, prayer, going to the gym, reaching out to people for connection, going to support group meetings, reading, writing, and doing what I'm doing now. So, just a few things to, uh, to think about.